That beautiful sound of Auld Lang Syne means the end of 2020, the nightmarish 2020. Are you are you lighting a candle there, Walt? I'm lighting my lighter. Well, it's also the start of the New Year's Eve edition of the Light Shed Podcast, Best episode day ever. number 37. Last day of, tw- of the of the year. Best. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Brandon Ross with Walter Pysik and the still living, despite many death <laughs> threats, Richard S. Greenfield. And the question is, should old acquaintance be forgot? I don't even know Walter what that means, Rich. but can you explain that to me? <laughs> okay. Um, well, you no, know, <laughs> you don't, don't want the, the history nah. of Robert Burns' poem no. and w- what it means. No. Okay. All but right. Yes, Rich. Well, it's it's it is very will, good. where I are you? Where this. are you hiding out, Rich? Are you able to disclose your location? In the, in the poem, that is a rhetorical question. But 2020 is a year we will certainly. I, I will say that. the team at Twitter has done a great job taking down accounts that have been vicious and personally attacking and even threatening harm to family. Um, it, yeah, they've been really a doing couple. a great job. Some, Look at the smile threat. on Rich's face when he says that, though. Rich has relished every, for those who are listening out there, Rich has relished every death threat. Um, well, hold on, let's back up for a second, Brandon. I'm not sure if our weekly podcast listeners insult. know what we're talking about because uh, earlier this, was it this week or last week, Rich initiated. It was last cel- Friday morning. Last Friday morning, Thursday morning. I think it was Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Rich initiated with a cell rating on Fubo which was in the stock and it's 50 or 60 or whatever right, it was with an $8 price target. Um, this was a stock that was embraced by um, what we would call the Robin hood crowd, which, which contacted Robin hood mafia, yeah. which contacted rich in a ver- variety of his <laughs> um, communication channels, Instagram, text, Twitter, what have you in very vicious um, and threatening and personal way so that was quite an interesting experience stock is now at uh 29 um <clears throat> from some of the sell-off it's gone a little quiet but hopefully it doesn't reinvigorate itself so how was oh. that experience rich it's been an interesting week i mean i think you know you don't whenever you put out a sell everyone goes you know everyone thinks it's very personal uh, it's funny when, when you put out a buy nobody thinks well, it's not personal. everyone, everyone thinks just it's sort personal. of certain people do so, from their yeah. basement, from their parents basements the reality is, I'm people, sure. Yeah, the kids who are getting margin called think it's personal. No, no. Look, I think the the, the reality is there is a there's a view when when the stock market goes up like it did all throughout 2020. I think there's a view that like stocks only go up, especially momentum stocks. And the reality is things can get overvalued. And you know, I think it's just sort of crazy when you look at some of these valuations. I mean, the fact that a that a negative gross margin VMVPD could be viewed as DraftKings and Roku and Netflix rolled into one. It's just staggering. It's just honestly, that's the only way I can talk about it is the fact that people don't even know what they're buying. Uh, it really, it's amazing. But so, look, it's been a fun the, week for sure. But that, well, that's, the thing that, that's what this year has been uh, in the markets, right? For the last, I mean, since the markets really bottomed out, there has been continuous euphoria. And I think that 
it's kind of come to a head over the last couple of weeks in names that shouldn't be anywhere near where they are. What I found amusing, though, is some of the trolls were citing Laura Martin's work. Um, and upon further review, I, I kept seeing this market cap reference of like three or four billion dollars. And apparently, Laura Martin doesn't know what the fully diluted share count is, as no, nor do all these people that are attacking you and think that the market cap is four billion. Something very different. Well, it's I don't, actually lower I don't, than I don't, th- I don't think that the, the fully diluted market cap, A, is one thing that the Robin Hooders understand. And B, I don't think the actual real valuation is grounded in what a competitor of ours did in terms of their oh, ratings. You I have just, someone who raised their price target three times in two weeks, in essence, doubling it on no news. I just so when that happens, when that's called insisting. chasing. No oh, boy. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? Yep. I just thought it was, I just thought it was amusing that they were insisting that the share count was higher citing like, I don't know, Yahoo finance or whatever the, whatever the information services that are used that are out there, you know, that, that, that was quite interesting, but you're right. Brian. Very I don't think, I don't think it's, it's actually roots their, the view. It's more about like stocks and charts and, you know, red hammers and this candle. I actually reached out to a friend of mine um, who's done this for 25 years. And he's like, actually from a technical technician standpoint, you can't even, there's not enough history on this thing for that stuff to matter, but that doesn't obviously stop a lot of people from citing what they believe to be, these different technical levels. People just uh, like Momo. to justify their own story. It's just people have their own way of spinning things and they kind of talk themselves into believing. Of course. I mean, especially you're talking, you're not talking about sophisticated investors or sophisticated analysts here. It, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I think, look, it's in many ways, the craziness around this stock is like the perfect end to 2020 because it was such a crazy year versus all of our expectations. I mean, who would have thought we'd all be sitting at home, you know, like literally for nine months of the year doing Zooms. I mean, this whole year has been one fucking shit show. This is sort of the perfect culmination to how weird this year has been. Well, speaking of uh, who would have thought would have happened in 2020, Rich, I think this week what we're planning on doing for our listeners is to review our 2020 predictions, um, of which there were 20 of them. (laughs) So why don't we move on to prediction number one from uh, top 20 for 20. NFL extends season, CBS loses NFL, YouTube TV takes Sunday ticket, Facebook takes mobile, and Amazon takes new package. Now, obviously... None of this happened because the NFL didn't sell media rights. The pandemic sort of short-circuited everything. You know, there was chatter that it was going to happen towards the end of the year. And I think the NFL is just trying to get the season completed, get to the Super Bowl. And I wouldn't be surprised if people are saying it could happen before the Super Bowl. But my guess is this happened sort of post-Super Bowl as we get more clarity around sort of COVID. And I think the NFL has just got to focus on getting the season done. But there are some key takeaways. We no longer believe CBS is going to lose the NFL. I think we were certainly wrong in that prediction. I think all signs point to all of the major players keeping their packages. And why is that, packages. Why do you think that is? What changed from our predictions at the beginning of the year? You know, I'd say there's a couple things. One is Disney's balance sheet makes it hard to believe they're going to take down two huge packages. 
the, the amount of sort of, you know, Disney keeps talking about our biggest challenge right now is just cash. And they're obviously ramping spend on Disney plus and streaming. The thought of taking down two massive packages, meaning a Sunday or Monday night and a Sunday afternoon just seems hard to imagine. And I think for the NFL standpoint, I just don't see a major package going to streaming. I just think it's the only league where they're actually doing okay in ratings. And I think a lot of that has to do with being on broadcast and keeping the visibility of the sport high and shifting to streaming. I, I, it just doesn't sound like that's yeah. going to be I a mean, smart move. I mean, the, the Am- Amazon did okay um, with their with their Saturday game. Of course, it helps when Kyler um, is in the game. But what did they do? Like 6.7 million viewers? You pulled shows- up a slide, but we can't read it. Sorry, it says 4.8 million average oh, viewers 4. for the 8. Amazon game. Did you have a jittery stream, Brandon? Not as jittery as this stream is, Fritch. Um, however, I had some jittery, <laughs> some issues with jitter. Um, did you, Walt? I know you watched. No, I watched on Amazon over Verizon Fios, and it was perfect. The ones I, the only one I consistently have an issue with is if I'm gonna, if I'm on my deck. And I want to watch rather than Fox through my direct TV subscription. I want to stream it. The Fox app is horrendous. NBC Sports, um, Peacock, phenomenal streams. And this Amazon stream worked great for me. So Fox is really the only one that I ever have issues with. Yeah, I had some in and out, but I don't know what the Achilles was on that, whether it was my connection, whether it was coming to my building, where in the network the problem was occurring. But I, I had a little bit. Honestly, it didn't really bother me. Maybe I mean, it's if it was like a big Giants game or something, I would give a shit, but I, I, I really didn't. If it bubbles up to Twitter, a lot of times it's it's probably just bad tech on their side, right? Netflix would tell you that they, you know, it takes a lot of effort to figure out what the connection is for each person's home. And then they just try and optimize it for whatever the person's home is. On the flip side, there's a lot of people in the tech media that just like to beat up on specific companies for the fuck of it. Um, so it's and they have power in Twitter. They do. They they I honestly do. You so mean like, like us? <laughs> everyone's got their pet um, projects, and sometimes you notice this. And you know, luckily there's people like myself that are there to dunk on them for calling out these companies. But you know, I'm just saying, like I don't know deadline. <laughs> Ever we can look at who the author is, but sometimes if one person happens to be having an issue, God forbid they look at their own Wi-Fi or their own broadband connection, where they're they're you know they're blaming Amazon um, for the issue. Like I said, for me, zero issues with my Amazon stream. I just but think it honestly Rich all, just pulled up. Go ahead, Rich. Well, I was just going to say, like I think at the end of the day, all of this goes to it, it is. I, I would not be surprised to see a YouTube TV or an Amazon buy Sunday ticket. We already know that DirecTV doesn't want it. Uh, a digital player makes a ton of sense in terms of expanding the reach and making it more accessible across devices. I just, to, to see... Or multiple these, digital players, yeah. depending on what the objectives can are. I just, the can I, can yeah. I drop back up to 10,000 feet here for a second? We were in the NFL, what was it, four or five every year? Probably like, more than it, that, but yeah. But whatever it was, five years ago, and there was a debate sitting around the big conference room table, and there was this debate of whether any um, streaming platform could handle a national game like this at all, and that would determine yep. their willingness to sell rights. So look how far we've come in what is, in the grand scheme of things, a very short period of time where you can actually yeah, deliver think, a nationwide things game. Things like Fubo even run now. 
But but Walt, to your point, it is critical for the NFL. If they don't figure this out with digital, they're in deep trouble because the companies that are paying their bills right now will not be able to spend ever increasing amounts more. And if you go back to 1994, the way the NFL got to the numbers it is at today is by having more bidders than packages. And so it's critical that they bring in new bidders who can yeah. bid up the rights but and create if competition. If a couple of people have some, some, some issues basic Amazon, supply demand, there's I'm sure there's countless examples of broadcast television where there's been fuck ups in, in past sporting yeah. events. What was that like Greta thing where they cut it off or whatever it is? I mean, right. shit but happens. They, but, but the key now is that here yet again, I mean, every week we keep talking about this ratings for Monday Night Football up again week over week. The NFL is delivering the only thing that works on linear television. And so it's going to bode very, very well for the NFL and is going to be a real challenge for all of the media companies. And it probably means that they probably have to limit how much they buy because the increases are going to be so extreme packet, you know, last package to new packages. Prices are going up 100 percent for Sunday afternoon and even Sunday evening. So this is going to be a painful financial burden for all of these companies heading into 21. Let's move on. And of course, as we talk about all the time, it'll probably have an effect on other content and other sports rights, kind of the secondary leagues to the NFL and what their demand is as those contracts come up for renewal. I do want to say secondary to the NFL, which is well, yes, but the NBA actually has gotten off to a fairly decent start in terms of ratings. They're up tremendously over the beginning of the season last year, albeit the opening season was Christmas week this year. But Christmas Day games were, it was a mixed bag. I think the ABC, ESPNs weren't as good as the early games, but overall we're up about 10% year over year. So that's something we're going to probably need to keep an eye on to see, again, how much of last year's ratings declines were cyclical versus secular. We also and had we're some hurt players to keep come an back open mind. Too, right? Yeah, I mean, K- obviously KD coming back. Um, yeah. uh, Jazz is some interest in what's going on. You had Zion game in there. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how things play out over you know, the first couple of weeks at least before we start making any grand predictions. Walt, number two. So the number two prediction was AT&T and Dish merged their pay TV businesses. Well, I, we thought throughout the year there was many things that surfaced in the mainstream media that this was going to happen. It did not happen. Um, apparently, you know, now uh, AT&T has put this thing out to bid and Apollo and others are have, you know, put some pretty low numbers in for direct TV. You know, I don't we'll see what happens. Obviously, as, as we all know, President Trump was not reelected. Um, that's a fact. Um, and, you know, Ajit Pai is leaving. The FCC we'll, is. We'll see on January 6th. Correct. Good point, Brandon, because January 6th will decide um, what happens in Georgia and whether the Democrats can control the Senate. And that can determine perhaps who's in the FCC. Look, Commissioner Rosenworcel should be made the permanent chairman. Um, we'll see what happens if if um, the what do you Democrat- think uh, what, if she's in power or if she, if she rises at the FCC and we actually can get nominees confirmed? Do you think that bodes well for a transaction? I mean, it's two two. the issue of concern, I believe, was CNN, which was a very specific Trump issue. And, you know, Trump obviously had some influence over a lot of the things that that Chairman Pai did. So without that influence, we look at the merits of the transaction, it would seem pretty obvious that 
these companies should be able to merge given what's happening on the pay TV business. So you would think that the odds um, should be better. But again, let me go back. It, it depends on what happened in Georgia. Why? Because if um, the Republicans maintain the Senate, it's going to be harder to get someone confirmed to get 3-2. Rosenworcel hopefully gets assigned permanent chair. If she doesn't get assigned as permanent chair and she is a chairman in waiting or whatever the term is, um, she doesn't then hire people for the staff. Like It puts the FCC at a great disadvantage for getting anything done. So hopefully she's even, even if the Republicans win, that Biden says, okay, you are the chair, not the acting chair, um, and you can go about getting stuff ready. And then ultimately, this all this conspiracy theory about how the Republicans are going to prevent a third commissioner. I just don't think that's true. I think um, the Republican leadership is just going to use this as a, just another trading card to, to, to get something else. Like, why not have that trading card in place? Um, but obviously, I think, you know, look, Rosenworcel deserves to be the permanent chair. Hopefully, that's what happens um, regardless if the Democrats do win Georgia, then there's going to be this concern. We're not, I shouldn't call it concern, but a, let's say speculation that Biden then might bring in someone else to be the chairman. Cause then you can get it through obviously much more easily if the Democrats control the Senate. And then that obviously has broad implications about how deals would look in, you know, 20, whatever, 2021 and 2022, because who knows, you know, what the, you know, who, who's going to exert their influence in terms of the person that they'd want to put in as permanent chair. Yeah. And look, I think there's going to be a lot of deals in 21 and 22, just looking at sort of the challenges facing the space that have been accelerated by the COVID and the pandemic. It's hard to believe that there's not going to be a lot of consolidation and the need for an FCC that can actually act versus being stuck to two. And just knowing who's going to be in there, right? So we'll see. That's the next couple of weeks are obviously important in that regard. And if people in in the communications and media world uh, will definitely be following that carefully. Number three, Disney hits fifty million subscribers, enabling enabling Disney to collapse Windows. Now, th- what's How funny do you is read that. Well, I, it, what's what's funny is we were back in <laughs> back in CES, so the first week of January. When, when this came out last year, people were sort of laughing at it, going, that's just an absurd number. Disney, you know, now is obviously up. You know, they have over 80 million subscribers to Disney Plus. Now, again, 25 million of them are sort of given away for free. But even so, they're above 50 million um, heading into the end of the year. That number is probably going to be, you know, meaningfully above 50, even X, the hot star India stuff. This has been a huge year for Disney Plus, And I think that the content they showed off gives everyone, including us, a lot more confidence about the trajectory. They've even, they're even starting to raise price in Q1 2021. And so this has been a this has been a huge year for Disney changing the narrative around their streaming service for sure versus where they were a year ago, where it basically seemed like a one hit wonder show. The power of Mandalorian, Rich, what do you think? You know what? I actually I power think of the pandemic. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, for pandemic sure, didn't Brandon. help HBO Max that much for their initial well, it did. It did. And we'll, we'll get to that. HBO, I think we had a 40 million sub prediction and the, they got to like 38 in a quarter early. So I think, I mean, you look at everything across the board in SVOD and AVOD and viewership is way higher than it was expected to be because of the pandemic. Right. But, but, but I also think they also the have learned reason. for Disney. Sure. 
And look, they also got very aggressive in marketing. I mean, I think the amount of marketing they did throughout the year yeah. and they did things. Remember, Hamilton was a great example. They just put out Soul. I think Wall, I think all but, of us have watched right, Soul. Right, but Hamilton and Soul happened, right, direct to D plus because of what? The pandemic, for sure. Exactly. Right. So the pandemic expedited a lot of trends. That'll be that's a common theme throughout our top 20. A lot of things happened faster than they would have or didn't happen, which we didn't we didn't mention that that's the lens that we're we need to view every one of these predictions through. Well, thankfully, I didn't play pay any money to go to a theater to see Soul because it would not have been worth it. And I would have been even more. Really? Yeah. Not good. I, I, I love um, uh, Soul. I, I thought that it was one of the more unique movies that I've seen in a sure. while. That's true. Um, it kind of in, it inspired me a little um, at the end. I like end. the artwork of the gods, and, the Picasso-esque artwork uh, of the gods. Oh, that was, was kind of cool. It was, ama- it was amazing. It was beautiful. Oh, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I, you know, it, was it a typical Pixar movie? No. Do I think any kids would like that film? I don't have kids, but my guess is no. I think it was almost more of a borderline art <laughs> movie. Yeah, it was very Pixar. artsy. That's, uh, artsy, artsy Brooklyn type stuff seems to go mainstream, right? That that works on a mainstream. Yeah, movie. I mean it is the, I right, kidding. and no, maybe that's no, it, it's <laughs> not not at all. <laughs> well, it does in New York. <laughs> I feel like all okay. of New York is pretty much. Walt, read number four. Number four, Dish launches wireless service, builds a 5G network in one market, and partners with Comcast. That would be eh, 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 and eh. Totally wrong on that. Part of this is- We were is, supposed to have sound effects for that. What happened? That was a wah, 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 That's what we have you for, Brandon. Totally got this one wrong. But look, Dish is clearly building a network. They just raised some money. So they are building. They didn't get their shit done this year. They are getting it done. The Comcast thing is actually the more interesting part of this because it it appears that Comcast, you look at this C-band auction that's now at whatever it is, $70, $80 billion. Um, Comcast and Charter are bidding together jointly, which reminds me back from years ago of when Bell Atlantic and 9X joined together and got made PCS Prime Co., it appears that the cable companies want to be more of a network provider rather than partnering with another network provider. Now, this still could present an opportunity to partner with Dish. I wouldn't rule that out altogether, but definitely the thing that has changed since that incorrect prediction from a year ago is that it looks like Comcast and Charter, and certainly Cox. We looked at Cox's markets and Cox is bidding aggressively, clearly. But, but this means that that CapEx or spending is going up a lot versus... Because being an MVNO requires almost no capital. I mean, this is moving to be a much more capital-intensive wireless business for cable. Is a theme heading into twenty one. Possible, you know, Rich. These cable guys. I'm reading, you know, the book Cable Cowboys right now that talks about Malone. And these guys are cowboys, and they like to do strategic stuff. It's also possible that the cable guys are just worried that C-band spectrum will impact them on broadband. Cable guys. Because the millimeter wave, the millimeter wave stuff is not working. So if they get the C-band spectrum, and it, so what do they do? You go into the auction and grab a bunch of the spectrum so Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile can't get it. And then maybe you just sit on it for a couple of years. So, so and then yes, make them buy it the way that Verizon bought that spectrum from Comcast a few years Even if you're going to build it, it doesn't necessarily mean your CapEx is going to ramp right away. You could sit on this stuff and then build it in two years, but... It seems it seems like there's a change that um, that's occurring within cable in terms of their willingness to buy spectrum um, and then maybe build out a network. 
Okay, number five, uh, Netflix global net ads reaccelerate. Well, I mean, Brandon, <laughs> this is sort of comical. Uh, to your point on COVID fueling, like we, <laughs> the I lens mean, of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this obviously happened. There's, you know, no. It's hard to take a victory lap because we don't actually know what would have happened if there hadn't been a pandemic. But Netflix's advantage versus everybody else in terms of having a full slate of content certainly led to an unbelievable Q2, and appears like even Q4 is going to be a lot better than expected as we sort of move back into lockdown. Even the first half of 2021 is probably going to be really good now. The, the net ads are just off the charts because of the pandemic. I mean, it's just there's no other way to talk about it. But and, Yeah. And by the way, they're pushing price also. And from what we've seen, it doesn't seem to uh, have any impact whatsoever. So Netflix is becoming, in some regards, a utility. Is it is it crazy to call it that, Rich? Yes. I mean, we watched the Chicago okay. Seven last night. That was an excellent film. Uh, Viacom sold that off. Not uh, as good as great. Soul, I'm sure. It was a really. I really <laughs> like Chicago Seven. I mean, it was a great. I mean, it's de- sort of depressing, I know. but it's a I great story. Um, okay, number six. Sorry, uh, number six. Cable network subscribers fall below eighty million the first time since two thousand. Well, this happened. I mean, even before the pandemic is what was interesting about this one is cable subscribers were getting much worse, even in Q1. If anything, the Q3, as all the sports came back, sort of slowed things down a little bit in terms of court cutting. But I think the overall trend of all of the great content moving to streaming, looking at, I mean, that Disney analyst day, we don't need to say anything after that. Then add on Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, all launching in the next couple of weeks. Court cutting. It's going to be, you know, probably still five plus percent for 2020, the highest rate ever. And you're probably going to accelerate into 2021 without sort of the one off event that happened in Q3 this year. And so we're probably sitting around 78, 79 million subscribers right now. So this certainly came true. And I think the the pain is going to increase meaningfully in, in 21 as everybody has figured out that they have to shift to streaming now. You think there's any chance? Yeah, that I would that venture provi- to say. Wait, what, sorry, what, what were you saying, Walt? I was going to say, do you think there's any chance that the stat that Brandon gave earlier in terms of the basketball, initial basketball ratings, is any indication that maybe things might have moderated at least in the fourth quarter? Because it seemed like there was, when we talked, when Brandon did that long piece about the impact of sports, a lot of it, there was some correlation to just, you know, people cutting cords, and that's why things were down 40%. So is that an indication maybe cord cutting wasn't as bad in Q4? Look, my gut is on the NBA. First of all, you're back to sort of when the NBA is supposed to happen. So that certainly helps. Um, not not just the, when the NBA is supposed to happen, but now you're getting opening night, right? And Christmas, which are two sort of spiky periods for the NBA happening simultaneously. Right. So it's a little I hard to compare. To say, it, I, this might be a little bit controversial, but I would almost say that if it wasn't for the crazy, the broader craziness of 2020, and by that I mean not just the pandemic, but social issues, BLM, uh, the election, Trump, everything that happened, and the importance of cable news, we may have had actually faster cord cutting than what we had. Maybe that actually stabilized things yeah. <laughs> a little more than they would have been. And I would not be surprised if we see a reacceleration 
um, into Let's 21. Into 21 predictions yet. That's no, next week. that's no. next week's episode. No, 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 but but that's a but that's a great no, point. That's a great Brandon, point. Is that, that is a great point. It, we actually could have seen a better than expected Q4 because of what happened in Q3 in terms of additions to the cable Dude, ecosystem. Well, first of all, I mean, look, you had much more acceleration in cord cutting in the first half of the year. Yep. Again, it compared to the second. And yes, you had sports come back, but most importantly, there's always been a seasonality, especially in this early VMVPD world tied to the NFL. And we discussed it earlier, the NFL itself it, it, may, be, may be the Fubo. glue that holds the bundle Look. together. Forget about broader sports, right? right? So I think that probably change trends a little. You had the craziest election of all time with cable news ratings that were pretty much bananas. So I, I think that that helped. And next year, you're going to see a return to some kind of normality, hopefully. And and we'll see what impact that has on court cutting. Okay, next. We've got EA buys Bethesda or Warner Interactive Entertainment, Brandon. Number That's number seven. Well, it seems like EA did get or will get a deal done this year, but it's going to be Codemasters, which they kind of stole from Take-Two. Bethesda did trade, but it went to Microsoft. And I think uh, the caveat for all of these publishers – um, who all have a lot of cash on their balance sheet and, and want to do acquisitions is if Microsoft wants to get something done, they're probably the 800-pound gorilla that's going to make it happen. And Bethesda made a ton of sense for them as well as the they are placing increased weight on subscription and need their own control over content, first-party content, in order to make that happen. So, and and then on the Warner side, when Jason came to to Warner and reevaluated everything, I think Jason understands. You can't sell that the, asset, right? You just the, can't sell it. Well, no, it's not that you can't sell that asset. I think it's the opposite. I think there's tons of demand for it, but I think Jason realized the importance of video games, and we've seen the engagement through COVID. A lot of which I think is probably real pull forward a secular change as opposed to, to cyclical change. And I think they're going to keep it there. And I wouldn't even be surprised, Walt, I don't know what their spending priorities are, but if they now that it's staying want to bolt on and get a little bit bigger and they got to play, they got to spend a little bit in the studios. auction first though. They got a big spending in the auction. So they, they, may, they may not be buying big video game companies anytime soon. Not big, but studios. And that's why I defer to Walt because I have no fucking idea what AT&T's balance sheet looks like and their cash needs are. Let's move on to number eight. Spotify completes label deals, fueling growth and family plan. A hundred percent this happened. Actually, the only thing that's been surprising is how the other music companies have really scaled back. We haven't really seen much from Apple Music. We haven't seen much from Amazon Music. Uh, although Amazon Music, you know, making their first big entry into podcasting, buying Wondery this week. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the reality is Spotify really looks like it's in the driver's seat for the industry. It's getting its label deals done. It started to move up family plan pricing as we expected. I think Australia was the first place. They're really following the playbook of get to scale build out the product, 
add more to the offering, increase the value of a subscription, and then slowly start moving price up. Sounds very, very, very familiar to what we saw with Netflix over the years. And it's been a huge year for Spotify. And uh, this literally yeah. has played out. I think this that particular prediction really focuses on the label deals. It's funny, the label deals aren't really what moves Spotify stock this year besides the broader market. No, it, it was, was people believing it in was podcasting. the acceptance of of the podcast strategy, yep. which is something that investors didn't do before. And it was the big announcements as they came that really pushed the stock uh, higher. And we'll we'll see what the impact is. I mean, some of the early data um, for Joe Rogan going exclusive looks, you know, pretty positive. But we'll we'll see what the actual impact is in twenty one. Number nine, Diamond Sports, the regional sports networks that these were the former Fox RSNs that are now owned by Sinclair, soon to be called the Bally's RSNs, moving towards bankruptcy. I don't know if they actually end up filing, Brandon. Um, they may not actually file, but certainly the value has been destroyed of these assets. They've been dropped by not just by Dish. They got dropped by Hulu Live, YouTube TV, and even Fubo dropped them. So every sign points to the regional sports network business being in deep trouble, especially for the Sinclair Diamond Sports RSNs. Um, what can, what can you say? Number- yeah, right? there's nothing to say. It's just, it, this <laughs> I business mean, is dying. That it's played out as predicted and will continue to do so. And I don't think they're going bankrupt. Um, but, you know, those bonds are, are not in great shape from a trading perspective. Walt, number 10. No 5G super cycle, smartphone upgrade rates bottom. Again, back to Brandon's initial points, impacted largely by... Uh, corona, so we can't take a complete win for this because obviously, SuperCycle was in part impacted by people, um, you know, getting locked down. Upgrade rates actually went down, but I think in the fourth quarter you will see an inversion of those upgrade rates. So that, that's that's going to be on again, not massive purchasing, but upgrade rates should start to tick up. That's that's been the early indication. Number eleven, Brandon. Liberty and SiriusXM pause iHeart Pursuit and acquire digital assets. That's pretty much exactly what happened, right? They gave up on doing iHeart. I'm sure the pandemic and some of the ad market issues were a part of that. But what they bought Stitcher, they did the big SoundCloud investment, um, as predicted by the analyst day in 2019. The share of the year was becoming more important to Liberty, and we saw that play out in transactions in 20. They just haven't really become a major player in podcasting. I mean, there's no, people talk it, a lot about it, but it really it feels like, especially with Amazon making a big move right. wondery, it really makes you wonder whether there's a lot more they have to do if they want to be serious about being in the podcast space. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's Apple, there's Amazon, and there's Spotify. All three of those are global players. Siri is disadvantaged in that they're U.S. only also. Okay, so, uh, you know, number 12, this I really, I we can't even take credit for this one because it's not even fair, but number 12, box office falls, double digits, talent embraces D to C movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we didn't, in, we, well, we didn't anticipate that. <laughs> yeah. The latter didn't that happen, that was, but that the studios pretty, did. Yeah. 
Um, talent <laughs> is not embracing the DDC movies, Rich. Well, certain the talent ta- isn't anyway. Uh, yeah, the vocal I mean, look, ta- I'll call it the vocal talent is not. I think the talent that kind of remembers the days of old. I think there's plenty of younger talent that is realizing. I mean, I even listened to a podcast with Jason Blum, who runs Blumhouse, uh, and you know, he was basically saying, look, he doesn't love with the way that Warner told everyone that they were going direct to consumer, but he very openly says it's inevitable. I mean, this changed. And so I don't think all talent, I I think there's a specific group to Brandon's point that is very much against this moving to streaming, but you know, box office is going to be, was obviously down, you know, I don't know, 75, 85% in in 2020, Uh, you know, even 21 is going to be a brutal year with the first half of the year, essentially, you know, most of it closed, even as you're starting to see some movies drip out. I mean, Wonder Woman did $16 million in its opening weekend. It just sort of shows you the need for direct to consumer because there isn't going to be a big box office until the pandemic is really under, you know, quote unquote control uh, as we move through 21. We haven't discussed Wonder Woman yet, by the way, guys. We're going to get there. We're going to get were, there. Just hold on. Oh, is, do we have that? Okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. Uh, hold on. I just want to get to number 13, 13. for Walt. Sorry. Uber consolidates the U.S. food delivery market. So Uber tried to buy Grub, then Just Eat, I guess, ended up buying them, and then Uber bought Postmates. So this did, in fact, happen. And then what Dara did to the next step is aside from consolidating the food delivery market when obviously the pandemic crushed his um you know the rideshare market is sold everything else sold atg sold um you know the flying taxis and so they're consolidating in the areas um which where they can have share which is exactly what you would expect dara to do so did happen number 13 check what's next no, no number four 14, I think we're going to get a check. Number 14, the one about HBO hitting an all-time high of 40 million subscribers. Now, for our podcast listeners or watchers, it's important to remember HBO was stuck at 30 million subs thereabouts forever. I mean, I remember when Brandon and I were first writing about Netflix, there was a lot of people in Hollywood who said Netflix will never get above 30 million U.S. subscribers. That's the cap for premium TV. They looked at kind of HBO hitting 30. Rich. And that was the- premium subscription in the right. US. Remember people said that the argument was look at AOL. AOL right. peaked at 30 million also. Right. And now we have Netflix going past 70 million subscribers. HBO they're at 38 million as of the end of the last quarter. That was before getting their deal done with Roku. That was before the Wonder Woman news and not to mention the entire slate coming in 21. We've seen HBO Max rise substantially in the app stores over the last few weeks. I would be shocked if HBO didn't end 2020 with over 40 million subscribers, which I think it's a pretty big win. I mean, I know this this nobody really liked Wonder Woman 1984, but I think the the overall story around HBO Max is starting to finally come together as we end the year. Yeah, I mean, looking to 21, obviously, with that full slate of sort of day and date on HBO Max, there's there's going to be demand across different yeah. um, jo- I mean, genres. The Matrix. The Matrix is right. coming to HBO Max. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, Wonder Woman was like soul a disappointment. So it's ironic that they're going to hit these which, numbers. Which one was a bigger disappointment for you? Um, Wonder Woman was a bigger disappointment. Because you were so hyped up on it. That's probably right. You're right. My yeah. expectations were higher. Exactly. Um, it was just an expectations game. 
That's fair. The first one was so good. This was, you know, the second one was just it's all over the place. But look, but there is a third it, one. It's already being greenlit. It sounds like Patty Jenkins appears to be on board. So I guess even when you don't like the release strategy, I guess money sort of fixes everything. Do, uh, do we, look, if you want to be click. successful for me, just hire John Favreau. That guy's a fucking genius. He like makes everything he touches <laughs> good. I can't think of anything. Walt, he's done. Walt loves Mando. You know, I watched oh, Elf the other night. Wait, wait, Walt, I watched Elf the other night. I forgot that was a Favreau film. Of course it was, because he's a fucking genius. Like, I, that guy's done a lot more than just the Star Wars stuff, but... And, and the best part about it is, if you watch Elf, they were actually showing the making of, yeah. and they had all the scenes with Favreau, and he's, I mean, he looked so young. It's incredible how that yep. guy is transformed. Do you remember I, Chef, Rich, when we... Yes, I do. I tried back and then we had that dinner with Favreau. Number 15, Snapchat revenue growth reacceleration continues. Now there was a hiccup. To be fair, we didn't again Brandon's point, yeah, we didn't count on the pandemic. But if you X out the pandemic, <laughs> they're ending the year at a meaningful acceleration. I mean, this is something that, you know, 50, 60 plus percent revenue growth. This is a company that can grow revenues at 50% for years to come as they go into um really expand from just being national advertisers to really getting a product for all advertisers, all the small and medium sized businesses around the world. And There's the many, of many other rich, many, many other levers that they have. They haven't even pulled the Bitmoji lever, really. Like people like right. forget they even own that asset. And now you're seeing a Roblox bought an avatar company the other day, you're going to see Bitmoji move its way across platforms. People are spending tons and tons of money to upgrade avatars everywhere. That's a, that's a huge lever. All the stuff that they're doing in AR, it, as you pointed out, local, there's interminable number of levers there. No, and you look at a stock that you know was a ten dollars stock at the beginning of the year, and Snap is now fifty plus. I think it shows that you know even with the pandemic, there's been a dramatic change in the view of what Snap is and how big the opportunity is over the next five years. Uh, hold on. So, I'm sorry. Sometimes the system is a little Some technical difficulties for those listening or watching at home. Um. Number 16, the- MSG London Sphere <laughs> plans take new shape. Brandon, that's our, um, that's our number 16. Yeah. What we said in the body of that one is that there will never be a London for, for MSG. And I think that is the case, whether we had the pandemic or didn't have, have the pandemic. Um, things have slowed down in Vegas. I think uh, they basically pushed everything out a year. Construction stopped. It restarted in Vegas. Um, Pretty bullish that people are going to want to travel again and and go to Vegas uh, as soon as they can. There's a lot of uh, pent-up desire, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, Have um, they announced residencies for this yet? Like, Are there any residencies announced? um, No. I think that they actually had some, my belief is that they had some in place for when the sphere was supposed to open. Um, But with the delay, I am sure um, there will, there will be new ones, if not the same ones that are just, just pushed. Okay. We're back in business now. I think number 17, Disney's triple play bundle could push hashtag 10 million. 
Hashtag triple play. <laughs> so look, it happened. This is one where we definitely um, this this worked out just as we thought. Disney, I think, reported 10.3 million ESPN Plus subscribers. Now, nobody really wants ESPN Plus. The way it's getting these subscribers is that the Disney, Hulu, and ESPN Plus bundle basically gives gives ESPN Plus away effectively for free. And you're seeing more and more consumers like that triple play. And so it's been a great way to drive ESPN Plus subscribers and basically keep positioning ESPN for that longer term shift to direct to consumer for the main ESPN channel. It's probably still a couple of years, maybe even three or four years away, but they're clearly moving that, you know, moving that stick higher and higher in terms of the subscriber reach so that they have more, you know, kind of optionality over time. Yeah, it's it's a matter of when, not if, with regard to ESPN going completely over the top. And it'll depend on the when it happens will depend on how quickly MVPD subs decline. That's it. Now, how about the drum roll for number 18 for the biggest fuck up of 2020? We need a drum roll I know, for the I know, fuck I know up. What this, I know what this is going to be, mean, Rich. And I'm going to take this. this is I'm going to be take the this. I told you so of okay. all I told you so's. Number 18, Quibi reaches 8 million subscribers by year end 2020. Quibi no longer exists, shut down, and probably never had more than a. I don't even know if they had a couple hundred thousand subscribers. They probably didn't even have that many. So this was the, you know. Who knows how much of this was bad strategy versus COVID versus both, but Please. this entire strategy failed and went nowhere at the same time. And I think what the, the, the interesting juxtaposition is at the same time that Quibi failed, we've seen YouTube time spent explode. We talked about YouTube gaming a couple of weeks yep. ago with that slide that Ryan Double, Wyatt posted. doubled over two year period. And then on top of that, we've seen Snapchat and discover explode. And obviously my background is, for everyone who can see it, is TikTok is doing their own New Year's Eve celebration with tons of stars. Charlie D'Amelio, you're going to see all the major talent from TikTok doing a competing New Year's Eve show this evening. I think it just shows you that short form content has tremendous appeal to consumers uh, or mobile content has tremendous appeal. Bottom line, Quibi just didn't work. The content just didn't get it done. So do you think the your issue was believing in the people with the model? Like, what did you get wrong on that one? I think the thing I got wrong is I've been a believer for a long time that great content finds a home, meaning people are attracted to great content. And there was really good content on Quibi. Like it was actually worth watching. The problem is it was on a platform that nobody knew to go to. And so if, if you had put the Quibi content inside of Snapchat or, you know, you'd made it easy to made it accessible. I think getting people to download a new app, I mean, you're seeing this problem right now with Peacock, right? I mean, Peacock is free. I, you know, I don't think it's getting tons of usage outside of the Comcast footprint. It is really hard to get people to use a new application. Well, uh, people this was one that rich, wasn't free. Rich, a couple of things. One is it's actually not that difficult to get people to download a, a new application. You could do that with performance marketing. What what's hard to do is is to build a new habit. And I think on mobile, new habits are formed organically. And this company tried so hard to force the habit on someone almost in a like Steve Jobs way. So like you don't realize that you need this, but you need it. And that's just not how these things work really um, in, in mobile applications. I also think that the other thing that is 
you know, really obvious is that what is premium content in 2020? You know, I think, you know, Walt, you talk all about TikTok is really entertaining. It doesn't cost hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to create TikTok content, but it really entertains. And so, you know, I think though, what is premium and what is non-premium, those lines are blurring. I mean, you know, that doubling of YouTube Every, gaming content. I mean, everywhere, everywhere we and look. Look at gaming. Look at gaming in general, Rich. Right. Right. Yes. PS5. There's been so much hype and everyone loves it. I love it. Um, and it's it's made the overall visual experience better for games but then go on the other end of the spectrum and look at roblox and the those i mean Wait, those that, are not like high talk end games. About, oh my god like the right. absolute worst graphic experience you're using a key i mean either a keyboard <laughs> or like trying to move around no. your phone this with very also, little this... control and and that's what's engaged this also speaks to the kind of artistic comments from um, our friend that made Tenet in terms of theater content oh. versus streaming content. Yeah. Look, Mandalorian yeah, is better quality or is equal quality as what you did um, in terms of Apple TV with with um, Ted Lasso. Yeah, but it's just a, like a sitcom what's type quality thing. anymore. Exactly. That's the define question. your what quality define and define your art. quality. And how much does it cost? You, you, you know, you just look at it even in the consumer. The, the fact that Snapchat exists and enables any consumer, they give them the tools to make content or, or on, on TikTok. You, all these things that you had to have a specialist with his soundboard of like how many different things to make it. And now everything's basically automated. By definition, it's going to lower um, the cost of making the undefined what quality content is and it's in some ways it just reminds you of the early days of youtube right i mean think of double rainbow and think of charlie bit my finger i mean we used to laugh about those videos and they were really entertaining but people like them uh, yeah i mean i look who's to say what is uh, you know if it entertains you and it occupies time it's this competition this war for time and attention uh, is just to, so to obvious your point here. to your point walt yeah i a friend of mine keeps bugging me about um, film being art and I'm like versus TV, not, and all these other things, not, and you need to bifurcate them. I'm like, is wonder woman art to you? Was, was that art? Right. Is Avengers <laughs> Endgame art or is it entertaining? No, but uh, but then other Borat, was that art? Because that came out in the theaters. <laughs> the first one, exactly. But then there's please don't all... put that background up, please. Oh yeah, no, please. I, I do not need that image. I think to that end. was the of the thirty-seven ish uh, episodes of the podcast. My favorite background. I may break down okay, and actually watch Tenet 18. this weekend and give my own review because every time I see someone talk about Tenet on Twitter, they're like, yeah, <laughs> on the third time, I really appreciated what a good quality it was. Like, okay, really? there are there Are you are like trying like hard that, to have to find out? Like Kafka, by the way, ripped into it as well and said it just wasn't good. So just saying. There are things, Radiohead albums, right? You listen to it the first time and you're like, oh, that's interesting. By like the fourth time, you're like, I fucking get it. And it's awesome. Um, you have but, a lot of time though for music. That is for music. Right, what's I, number 19? Okay. I haven't Sorry, watched Tenet I, yet. I couldn't help. It's two and a half help. hours. Fuck. Okay. Right, we're 19. 19 blizzard makes overwatch free to play ahead of overwatch to launch. 
And look, free to play was a key to Activision's year. We got the Warzone launch this year, which completely changed the financial profile um, at Activision Blizzard. But we, we didn't get number not, two yet. We we have not yet gotten the Overwatch release date, the Diablo re- release date either, for that matter, or Overwatch going free to play. But we have increased confidence that Overwatch, the Overwatch one, the PvP version, is going to be free to play. Why do you think it didn't happen? Just too much going on or pandemic or unrelated? Uh, no, no, I think we were I think we were probably off by a couple of months in our prediction anyway. I think that that'll happen right before the game comes out. Maybe the game was moved by a couple of months. Maybe it's not exactly spring as we predicted with free to play happening a few months before. Maybe it's summer. Maybe they do it closer together, but I'm still fairly confident that that's what the strategy is for Overwatch. It's just a matter of some months of time. Now, number 20 shocks me that it hasn't happened, Walt, but like, read us, walk us through. But I don't know what this guy has got but <laughs> to stay on, but yes, Rajiv Mizra did not. In How fact, does this guy have the mind share to make it to our fucking podcast, by the way? <laughs> I mean, he was the head of the Vision Fund. That was the biggest thing of 2019 yeah, that came right. unraveled we in work. 2020. Yeah, we work. I mean, he was effectively behind all of this stuff. Somehow he held on, and then they started buying big tech stocks. You know, they just moved on to the next thing. Let's buy Netflix. And that was Rajiv Misra. And then he gets on and says, oh, yeah, well, should we be buying? And then investors push back. And now he then he's buying options. And now they're now they're creating three SPACs. And then, this guy's it, got it's like whatever is hot. It's, and then, no, it's like flavor of the month. It's literally it's flavor amazing. of the month. But the craziest thing is that he was day trading Fubo two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so happy new year, Rajiv Misra. Congrats. You made it through. Survived another year. God knows how. <laughs> but like, good luck in 2021 with your resolutions brand (laughs) um yeah i I need to lose some fucking weight (laughs) it's i know that's sort of the trite new year's resolution that we all have um but you know covid hit the belly hard a little bit and we're gonna we're gonna need to work on that next year but uh i don't know i do want to say that um thank you to you guys for an awesome first year in business together and to mark and joe who are listening and for you know uh, our team that helped each other get through a pretty crazy time for me that's the um, nicest thing i'll ever say by the way was, no no that was I'm, pretty I nice i'm choking up brandon i, I, no, might I, even, but, I mean i was gonna say i'd cry but i'm not going to but but i will i will say that <laughs> but i mean my, it You know, I don't say things I don't mean. I know. For for me, my New Year's resolution is to pronunciate better so that you two don't make fun of me. I hope you don't, Rich, because I need to make fun of you. I do feel like pronunciation is one of my the the things I do most poorly. Spelling is probably not great either, but I'm working on that. But we're going to work on pronunciation for 2021. And just because Walter makes me feel bad because he reads so much, I'm going to try to read more books, just books in 21. That's what I would like to do. Well, that was my resolution, though, Rich. You basically just stole mine, which is... What do you mean? I've, to I mean, read Audible, even more I think books? Audio is such a big thing for... And hopefully people are enjoying our research that being read. Um, 
I'm able to to crush economists every week now thanks to audio. And my I'm hitting I'm I'm gonna hit try and hit. And one of our clients actually told us this. I think his goal was a hundred um, books. I think I'm if I can do like one a week and I can crush fifty books this year. Um, that would that would make me happy. So please send in for our listeners, send in any recommendations. I only do nonfiction. I get all, or excuse me, I get all my fiction um, via entertainment. So nonfiction books only. Sending your recommendations, please. And if you, you send get- a recommendation, we'll know you actually made it to the end of one of our podcasts. <laughs> exactly. It's like leaving the <laughs> like, five dollar bill. Anyone actually listening to this part? Uh, I don't know, send but my us favorite an email. If you are, <laughs> just because I like to tie things together, my favorite fiction of 2020 was the Fubu growth story. So. Fubu, there you go. It's a good uh, thing it's still 2020 because you already broke your 21 New Year's resolution. Yeah, that doesn't start until next, till tomorrow. What are you guys doing tonight to celebrate the New Year? Are you going to pop bottles? We are, I got Peter Luger steaks coming, and I picked up lobsters. Excellent. We're doing You're some fond, fondue, and that's about it. Brandon, you know what I'm doing. It's what? the same thing I do every year on New Year's Eve. Fish. Usually, usually, fish usually I'm at MSG, but this year it'll be a replay of New Year's Eve, tw- um, 95, 96, 1231, 95, and a band versus listener chess match. I don't even know what that means. Sounds We're- fascinating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I may have to go do a little due diligence on what that actually just meant. but um, There's going to be a chess game. The band is going to make a move, and then the audience will vote. Oh, so this is like Queen's Gambit. It's like Queen's it's, Gambit yes, for fish. Queen's Gambit is the theme um, this year. By the way, I watched the whole series. I actually really enjoyed it. So it's I know Walt, you didn't it's love a, it. So, I, it's I a solid it. B minus to B is what I would say. I Maybe it. B minus. Maybe B minus. Which is, have which a is great, good. Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy New Year, everyone. Let's rock 2021. See you in 21.